Hi there, friends, and welcome to episode 159 of Just the Zoo of Us. This week, I'm joined by a special guest, marine biologist Sophie Wolven, who's here to talk about little jello casseroles full of bees, the moon jellyfish. We are going to talk about what to do if you get stung by a jellyfish, what it's like to take care of the delicate jellies, their vortex of death, jelly beans, and blooms. I confess to some heinous jellyfish crimes. It is a great time all around. Just the Zoo of Us presents Moon Jellyfish with Sophie Wolven. is Ellen Weatherford. I'm here with your favorite animal review podcast, Just the Zoo of Us. Today, I'm so thrilled to be bringing y'all a cool animal friend, but also a cool human friend. This is Sophie Wolven. Say hi, Sophie. Hi. <laughs> Sophie, what are your pronouns real quick? Uh, my pronouns are she, her. Thank you, Sophie. And Sophie, we've been like buddies on social media for a little while. So it is thrilling to get to actually talk to you and especially to talk to you about such a charming and delightful animal. But before we talk about our charming and delightful animal, let's talk about the charming and delightful person that is Sophie. (laughs) What is your jellyfish story? Yeah, it's kind of funny because uh, my jellyfish story, I sort of fell into jellyfish, which is like <laughs> not a thing you want to do to jellyfish specifically, like <laughs> of all the animals. They don't seem like they have the structural integrity for it. Yeah. And also like the stinging, really not something you want to do. You don't want to be in an unexpected jellyfish situation. Exactly. Like suddenly jellyfish and you're in the middle of them. <laughs> that's not really ideal. <laughs> Normally. No. I, I've sort of like bounced around a little bit. I don't know, ever since I was a kid, I was like that kid that was always covered in mud, following whatever animal was nearby, just obsessed. The ideal. The ideal, you know. Living the dream. Yeah, living the dream. (laughs) I was uh, really lucky to like grow up in a provincial park, essentially, in Quebec. So from there, it was sort of inevitable that I was going to go into biology, I guess. Is a provincial park analogous to our state parks? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, in Canada, I guess, because there's the national parks, and then there are Mm. provincial parks. And you're on the East Coast, right? Now I'm in the East Coast, yeah. Yeah, in Newfoundland. Nice. Very beautiful. I do miss Quebec sometimes, though. Very nice forests. Mm. Not a lot of jellyfish, though, weirdly. Quebec is like inland, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, the northern part of Quebec is on the ocean, but most of the population is in southern Quebec. Sure. So you're not going to see a jellyfish no. strolling down the street? No. Although, freshwater jellyfish. Possible. <laughs> Now we're talking. Now we're talking. <laughs> yeah, so I I did go to university for biology. I did evolutionary biology, actually sort of focusing more on vertebrate paleontology. So I was looking at dinosaurs and things like that, and then kind of did a hard pivot into alive invertebrates, sort of the opposite. So you were in the dinosaur kid to paleontology pipeline. Oh, yeah. Deep in there. And then I went on like one fieldwork season where it was like 45 degrees Celsius, which is very hot in Mm. the middle of the Badlands. And you were just like looking at dirt. And I was like, I don't want I don't want this. (laughs) That was the point where you were like, maybe something wet. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, actually, I'm not meant for the heat. Uh, I'm going to go to the water. (laughs) 
and you went into the cold water yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. You went in the complete opposite direction. Yeah. Went into the North Atlantic, which is uh, about as cold as it gets until you get to the Arctic. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that was a boundary that you eventually crossed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, after the jellyfish, I decided to go. Now I'm in the Arctic. So <laughs> made it all the way there. Okay. So before we get too far into jellyfish, yeah. I did want to ask about the Arctic, because I think this is like such an incredibly cool, literally, uh, <laughs> like, you know, thing to study, I guess, uh, these, I think that what you study is benthic uh, Arctic environment, the bottom of the very cold water. So it is extremely cold and very dark, all sorts of deep sea weirdos that you see down there. Like, what has that been like? I'm super curious about what it's like to study the bottom of the Arctic Ocean. Yeah, it's so cool. The thing is, is like, I sort of pivoted from jellyfish to the Arctic research because I was super interested in the discoveries being made on like ROV streams. Like I love watching deep sea ROV streams. It's like my favorite thing to do. <laughs> oh, ROV being the remote operated vehicle. Yeah. This is the little, the robots. The little robots that get driven around, not with people inside, but the ones that are driven from the ship. I've been interested in those for the past probably like 10 years. And so I was like, what can I do that will enable me to study stuff with an ROV? <laughs> Anybody who's not super interested in, like, Arctic exploration, like, ROV research should try watching one of those streams and then tell me you're not interested. Right? Because it can't be done. They're so fun. Oh, my gosh. When they come across, like, a whale fall or, like, a huge coral. It's so exciting. (laughs) I think my favorite thing is when, if you're listening to it with, like, the commentary of the scientists that are, like, also like monitoring the the stream you can hear them sometimes just like lose their minds over something yeah. really really cool like they'll just be like whoa <laughs> <laughs> just like oh my god what is that <laughs> yes, yeah it is thrilling so highly recommend yeah have you ever gotten to be one of those like the voice on the stream so i haven't been on a live stream but i have been in the control room on a ship while an ROV was being piloted, getting to see everything that was going on and like be picking some of the stuff that we're collecting off the bottom or like what we're getting (sighs) footage of. Yeah. (laughs) So you're doing the ultimate claw machine. Yeah, exactly. I didn't get to, (laughs) I did ask very nicely if I could just like move the claw like once, but apparently you can like break the whole ROV if you move it wrong. So. Oh no. (laughs) So they were like, um, you can zoom in the camera. (laughs) Oh, there you go. They let you do something. And I was like, okay, thanks. <laughs> That's like when your sibling wants to play video games with you. Yeah. So you give them like a, a controller for a different system or something. Yeah. You're like, unplug it. Here you go, <laughs> yeah. buddy. Just like, wow, you're really helping. Thanks, Sophie. <laughs> <laughs> but I bet that was incredibly exciting, though. Yeah. That just sounds like a dream come true. It was definitely a dream come true. I thought I would eventually get to that point. And so to be able to actually do it within like a year of switching my career was uh, very exciting. (laughs) So to go back and focus on the jellyfish, what brought you to jellyfish? What drew you in about the humble jelly? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've always really liked, um, even when I was doing like vertebrate paleontology, I was really interested in the really weird um, stuff that evolved really early on in life history. So the stuff that all evolved during the Cambrian era, which is like 500 million years ago, 
all kinds of weird invertebrates. And so there was a point where I sort of realized like, oh, a lot of the things that are around today are also pretty weird. <laughs> so uh, I think that's what initially sort of got me into jellyfish. But my main jellyfish experience was working at an aquarium, Ripley's Aquarium of Canada in Toronto, where I worked for about six years. And honestly, the reason I got into jellyfish there is because no one else wanted to. <laughs> yeah, and I... That is an open niche. Right? That is an open... <laughs> and I was like, I will slide right in there. <laughs> Just like, oh, none of you want to? Well, I really want to, so... <laughs> Listen, they missed out. Yeah. Those jellyfish were pearls before swine. Exactly. They were being unappreciated. Yeah. I think everyone is just like, oh, well, you know, they're just there for looks. And it's like, well, oh, they're actually, they have personality. Well, they don't, but <laughs> but they're, to me, they to do. To me, they're very interesting. There's sort of a saying in the aquarium industry that you have to be like a very specific kind of person to want to work with jellyfish and it's true. <laughs> Is there like a stereotype associated with like, you can tell a jellyfish person by looking at them? Is that like... Yeah. Like within... <laughs> well, I mean, the main thing is that they won't stop talking about jellyfish pretty much right mm, off the bat. So they'll tell you. Yeah, they'll tell you right away. <laughs> You're the CrossFit of uh, aquarium <laughs> yeah. employees. Yeah. <laughs> I think there should be like a Zodiac chart that's just for like people that work in aquariums. And it's like, what is your marine creature of hyper focus oh my gosh it's so accurate at least in the aquarium i worked at there's because there's people who work in all the different areas with the different animals and then there's also the like oh well the people who work in jellies get along really well with like the local canadian <laughs> systems people but they don't get along <laughs> with the tropical guys <laughs> you know, like, i'm imagining like intense turf wars and <laughs> yeah Get out of, you can't cut through my area. Go through the other Deep way. Deep blood feuds <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> between the different departments of the aquarium. Yeah, mostly just a lot of derision, like condescension. Oh, you want to work with the cuttlefish? <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, couldn't be me. Couldn't be me. It's embarrassing. Yeah. Ooh, signathids. <laughs> Seahorses. Wow. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> no, uh, officially, I love all of them. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> So we're talking today about moon jellies. Yeah. Uh, Sophie, what is your experience like with moon jellies? Yeah, I mean, moon jellies were sort of my gateway jellyfish. I started working with moon jellies, and they're just everywhere when you're working with captive populations of jellyfish. They seem like an easy jellyfish to have. Yeah, like by jellyfish standards, which I would argue are extremely high, moon jellies are some of the easiest. I would say upside down jellies are easier but that's interesting <laughs> i wouldn't have thought jellyfish standards of care would be high i would have thought the opposite they're high in that you need just so much specialized equipment a whole tank was invented like a style of aquarium was invented just for jellyfish oh yeah so <laughs> i feel like i've seen jellyfish in these sort of cylindrical tanks is that it? So that's sort of the the follow-up. That's what came a little bit after. But the main tank, sort of those big, like, thin circular tanks that you kind of see jellyfish in. Like the big wall exhibits that are just like a huge wall, all these colors, jellyfish full of them. Those are those are called a chrysal tank. Oh. And uh, I mean, the idea behind any jellyfish exhibit is it needs to have very low water flow in a very slow circular motion. 
so that they don't ever touch a wall. <laughs> oh, they can't touch a wall? They can't touch a wall. Oh, no. Like, they can brush up against it, but sure. um, they'll get stuck or damaged, even, like, tiny little abrasions or algae growing on a tank wall oh. will damage a jellyfish. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> so they're a little more fragile than you might think. Exactly. They look like just a little water balloon floating around in there. I guess I'd <laughs> yeah. imagine they could just kind of bounce off of whatever, yeah. but uh, I mean, they they're can. losing chunks left and right. They can a couple times, and then after that, they're maybe done. Well, so for people that are listening that have never met a moon jelly before, can you introduce us to the moon jelly? Like, what is our small friend? Yeah. <laughs> the moon jelly is, I would say, one of two like quintessential jellyfish that people might be familiar with. Like, I think the first is probably the sea nettle mm. with that orange bell and the very long arms. That's probably top number one. Because we saw it in Finding Nemo. Yeah, because it's in Finding Nemo, squishy, you know. Those dangly... Ten it's a spectacular jellyfish. It's gorgeous, yeah. It's like the if you were looking up a jellyfish in the dictionary, it would be the photo. Exactly, yeah. Uh, but I happen to think moon jellies are also gorgeous. They are. <laughs> They're almost completely translucent. So in the ocean, you might not even see it. Or on the beach, you might not even see it. Um, they have like some like white-ish body parts. So typically, they're most recognizable for their four like horseshoe-shaped stomach slash gonads, which are just in the middle of the body there. And then you can sometimes also see the white rim of the bell. So like the margin. Mm. I imagine it as a clover shape. Yeah, yeah, like a four-leaf clover. But you said stomach slash gonads. So is this like filling both roles? Yeah, so like the, the stomach sort of exists in the very middle, like the center of that bell, right, their body. And the mouth is on the underside in between the sort of like feeding arms that come down. And then the horseshoe shapes themselves typically are the gonads, but on top of them. So generally the first thing you see will be whatever is in their guts because oh. the gut tissue is in the same area. So we're like kind of consolidating. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so in like an aquarium, they'd probably, you'd see those horseshoe shapes and think, oh, they're orange. And it's probably because they just ate some brine shrimp. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Kind of like flamingos. Exactly. One thing that I've always, that I feel like I always notice about moon jellies is that when, especially when, I'm glad you mentioned the sea nettles, which have the big dangly tentacles that are much, much larger than the bell of the jellyfish itself. But with the moon jelly, they don't have that. Like if they even have like visible dangly bits at all, they're really small and like thin. You really don't see them very well um, unless you're like right up on them. So what are those little dangly things around them? Are they for like eating or movement or like what are those? They have two separate kinds of like arms although so they have really really thin fine ones that are around the edge of the bell so those are tentacles those are the marginal tentacles i was so like yeah not wanting to say the word tentacle because i know that's like that means something specific and yeah. i don't want to use the wrong word <laughs> honestly people i think kind of use everything interchangeably and it's fine <laughs> i just say squiggly bits it's fine yeah, the squiggly bits <laughs> you can't correct me on that <laughs> You're not wrong. So they'd be like, well, actually, squiggly bits technically are. <laughs> yeah, um... it's only the middle ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then the ones that come down sort of like the inside, like the middle of the bell, those are the oral arms. Generally, the oral arms are the ones that bring food up to the mouth, which is in the middle, right? 
But the marginal arms, most jellyfish have their stinging cells, which are for catching prey, all over their bodies. Oh. Yeah. So some of them don't have them on the bell, like in Finding Nemo. Pacific sea nettles don't. But most other species do. (laughs) So the rule of you can touch the bell is really only good for a couple species. (laughs) Oh, I'm glad you said that. Because I feel like a lot of people like me have watched Finding Nemo approximately 2 million times in their lives. Yeah. And probably were like, oh, that applies to every jellyfish. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So not all of them, unfortunately, but some of them. Could a moon jelly actually sting you? Uh, They can. Their venom is not strong enough to cause a reaction most of the time. It can make you itchy, though. And if, for example, you have handled a lot of moon jellyfish, (laughs) you can get very sensitive to the venom (laughs) and be itchy a lot. Oh, you don't, like, develop a resistance to it? No, it's sort of the opposite. Oh, that's not fair. (laughs) Yeah, it's really rude, honestly. Is this the voice of experience talking? Oh, no! (laughs) There have been a couple times where I would, like, get out of cleaning. Like, I would finish cleaning a tank. And because the tanks are, like, pretty enclosed, a lot of the jellyfish, like, we'll get into this, but, like, jellyfish babies will settle all over the tank. But they aren't good for the adults to be rubbing up against all the time. So you need to clean them out. But they get really mad and will sting you when you do that. I would, too. Yeah, (laughs) obviously. (laughs) And so I would get out of some of those dives just, like swollen, itchy, like miserable, whereas someone else doing the same dive would get out unaffected. Oh, that sucks. It's so rude. (laughs) Oh, no. Do they have to like rotate you out at that point? (laughs) That would be cool of them, but no. Instead, (laughs) um, it was more like, Sophie, just wear like more and more layers of stuff covering Mm. every part of your body. (laughs) Oh, that's funny because we used to like play with them as kids and the whole thing was that like our understanding of it was that since they didn't have tentacles, we then were like, oh, no tentacles can't sting you. We can play with these all day long. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, even when I got like a really bad reaction, it was just like so itchy. And that was it. On the topic of jellyfish stings, because I feel like you can't talk about jellyfish stings without talking about this. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know exactly what I'm going to say. I'll just I'll just phrase it this way. What is a good remedy for a jellyfish sting? <laughs> yeah. Uh I will say that certain um urban legends of treating a jellyfish sting like heat works, but the best the best order of operations is you like obviously remove the jellyfish that is currently stinging you. <laughs> I would certainly hope certainly so. Certainly do that first. Um usually there remains like stinging cells on your body that have not fired yet so you don't want to do anything to make it worse so the first thing you want to do is rinse off with the salt water that the jellyfish was in so ideally just stick your arm back in the ocean rinse it off and then you can do like a hot fresh water or vinegar works really well oh that's interesting yeah i am not 100 percent sure on the mechanism because i'm not sure anyone is really but it's thought that it causes the nematocysts which are the stinging cells to like swell up and like freeze sort of mm. so they can't fire anymore and they can't really do more damage and then any sort of like itching ointment sure like a topical yeah a topical thing if you're stung by not a moon jellyfish you should probably go to a doctor just in case. Some of them will ruin your day. Yeah, some of them are really bad. Some of them will, well, some of them you will certainly know. Yeah. <laughs> You'll certainly know something is terribly wrong. They're quite painful. 
don't pee on them. Um, don't pee on them. Yeah, is what don't I'm coming pee down on to. It. <laughs> Maybe people should just start like having bottles of vinegar that they just like bring with them to the beach and stuff. It's like, yeah, save yourself some dignity. Save yourself some dignity. And like the problem is, is you're gonna want fries after. But like, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> is that a regional thing? Because I feel like I've known like one other person in my life that put vinegar on French fries, and that is foreign to me. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I didn't think it was. Is it a Canadian thing? <laughs> I, I don't know. I certainly, it's not a very common thing here, I don't believe. I don't know that it's super common here, but a significant portion of people I know probably put vinegar on fries. I mean, I think there's a vinegar component to ketchup, so it's not that terribly sense. different, yeah. right? It's not a big leap. It's just, yeah. I've known, like, I remember at one point seeing somebody, I don't remember who it was, but somebody I knew, I saw them, like, putting vinegar on French fries. And I remember being like, what are you doing? What is happening? <laughs> what is this it's funny this because I, I don't even have vinegar on french fries like i don't put it on but if i smell vinegar i'm like french fries <laughs> well i uh, thankfully i'm not the type of person to get stung by jellyfish particularly frequently but since we are talking about moon jellyfish stinging let's get to our ratings for moon jellies yeah. which i'm very excited about <laughs> So if this is your first time listening to this podcast, what we do is rate animals out of 10 in the categories of effectiveness, ingenuity, and aesthetics, beginning with effectiveness, which is physical adaptations. So things this animal has built into their body that let them stay alive, catch their prey. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh -huh. I realized as I proceeded through the sentence, I was like, I do not know what jellyfish consume. <laughs> But, you know, things like catching their prey, not becoming prey themselves, things that they have physically adapted their body to. What do you give moon jellies out of 10 for effectiveness? I think I'm going to give them a 9.5. That is incredibly high. Yeah. I'll explain the 0.5 that they lose. Okay. But I, I really think they would have deserved a 10. Moon jellies, they do get eaten a lot. <laughs> I will say that. They get eaten by turtles, birds... Even humans. I was going to ask if humans eat jellies. Like, not really moon jellies. Moon jellies aren't really a common food, but someone has figured out a way how to turn them into chips. Uh, well, a chip seems like a strange format for that. Well, jellyfish are like, moon jellies especially, are like 98% water. That was what I was thinking. Like, how do you dehydrate it? <laughs> You're left with nothing. Uh, yeah. If you leave a moon jelly out, like, on the sidewalk, which I wouldn't do that. Don't do that. But it's not nice. If you did, once all the water evaporated, you would be left with, like, a smear. Like, there's not really a lot there that isn't water. <laughs> so I think dehydrating to chip form is the only way to eat them. That's true, because otherwise you'd just be eating water. Yeah. With full of stinging cells. <laughs> what if boba tea? Okay. <laughs> with uh <-huh. laughs> jellyfish. Are they the are they the bobas? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel like putting them in as an ice cube would be safer. I'm just thinking with those big thick straws, you could just Yeah. Boop, 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 boop. Yep. <laughs> how about you start that and then tell me how it goes. <laughs> I have tried jellyfish, not moon jellyfish, but I have eaten jellyfish prepared in a meal. How was it? I will say the taste was like good because they just taste like whatever you marinate them in. Mm. The texture was like, as someone who has handled 
physically in my hands a lot of jellyfish i put the bite in my mouth and i was like that is a jellyfish and i was like Mm, nope (laughs) absolutely not (laughs) no thank you (laughs) rejected yep i've also heard that sunfish oh oh yeah lots of them that that's like their bread and butter oh yeah which is hilarious that an animal so massive consists on a creature that is like two molecules of substance (laughs) right well it's the same with like leatherback sea turtles eat them and it's like what are you doing this jellyfish is so nothing there's other stuff yeah (laughs) there's other stuff around there's there's bigger stuff (laughs) to be fair moon jellies are like mostly unsaturated fats i think they're like really fatty acid rich and so great for eating if you're into that okay yeah so there's something to it yeah exactly they're worth it i guess I'm curious to know where the nine points are coming from. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. We've only even we've only dragged them so far. Yeah, honestly, the point five wasn't even, even because they get eaten all the time. The fact that they're like almost fully translucent, like they've got this great camouflage thing going on. They're literally invisible. They're invisible, right? Cloaking mechanism. Yeah. Activated at all, all times. Exactly. They're some of the most efficient feeders of all animals ever. Like they're way more efficient than fish. They can like clear out an area when they bloom really yeah there's like usually a negative association of the food when the jellyfish are there like they just tank any area that they're in what are they eating so they eat pretty much anything planktonic so they will just eat like fish larvae eggs zooplankton uh they don't eat like algae or anything like that like they won't eat plants they are carnivorous they eat only meat (laughs) this is a predator this is a predator yeah a very slow predator (laughs) a very low stakes predator yeah exactly a predator that if you can swim you can probably get away from them (laughs) (laughs) so they're not powerful swimmers from Mm -hmm. what i've observed no they're really not um they're more like planktonic like Uh, they are a plankton so um the difference between like a plankton and sort of like a fish, I guess, (laughs) is that like a plankton doesn't really have control over where it goes. So a jellyfish can swim, but it's not really going to make progress (laughs) that efficiently. They can steer. Yeah, they can steer. And just pray for the best. Exactly. (laughs) Hope I get somewhere good. Yeah. So what, what is it about their feeding that makes them so efficient? Like, what do you mean by efficient feeders? Yeah, so that when you see like a jellyfish swimming through the water, like that pulsing motion, that like very chill, tiny little motion actually creates these eddies of water. (gasps) That means that water gets pulled in over all of their feeding arms and down over the oral arms. So anything that they get near gets immediately pulled into the arms. It's a little black hole. Yeah. And their stinging cells, the nematocysts, they're kind of like a harpoon embedded in like a cell. And so when something touches it, it'll shoot out and sort of hook onto it. So anything that gets touched by the jellyfish that is small enough to be grabbed by those barbs is done. I did not know that about their like manipulating the flow of the water around them. Wow. Yeah, it's really cool. (laughs) Especially if the things that they're eating are things that can't fight the flow of the water. Yeah. Or can't swim that fast. Yeah. Then it's just... They'll just get sucked right in. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's a little vortex of death. Yeah. Squirting around the water. Exactly. And even if the venom isn't strong enough to affect humans, like if you're a little cobapod, too bad. You're done for. (laughs) You're done for. (laughs) 
this is like a kaiju to yeah. the little bits yeah. floating around in the ocean. I would not want to be a zooplankton. That's got to be a rough life. Yeah, right? I feel bad for all the fish that start life as a little plankton. Oh my gosh, I know. <laughs> How do you make it? How do you even live? There's an easier way, you guys. Yeah, surely. <laughs> Get out of the water. That was the best call. Well, and then you got like the whales and stuff that were in oh, yeah. the water and they were like, this sucks. We're getting out of here. They yeah. got out of the water and then they were like, wait a second. Hold on. We've got something here. Yeah. <laughs> now we're really big. Let's see if we can try that again. <laughs> yeah. In another like two billion years, they're going to be like back on land. <laughs> be like, you know what? We tried it, actually. Yeah, yeah we're going back. <laughs> really just the grass is greener on the other side. They always want what they can't have. Yeah. So another thing that you mentioned in, like, in terms of keeping them is that they can be a little fragile and yeah. that things, chunks kind of come off of them and stuff, which makes me wonder, like, I don't know anything about the structure of a jellyfish's <laughs> body. I'm like, what parts can they lose without dying? Like, how much can they lose before it becomes a critical problem? It's so funny because, like, there's, like, a very blurry line between an alive jellyfish and a dead jellyfish because, like, much of the body functioning can still happen when other parts are super damaged or what you might think of as dead. There's no like central area that will just shut off everything. Like I've seen just like pieces of a moon jellyfish still be pulsing and eventually that'll stop, right? And it then it's fully dead. But there's like an intermediate period where you're sort of like, I don't really know what's going on here. <laughs> so they don't have like a brain. There's no like command center, like base of operations. No. That's, like, <laughs> that's where the soul of the jellyfish lives. Yeah. <laughs> that's not where they're thinking about stuff. They're not, <laughs> they're not really thinking about anything. <laughs> hey there, we're going to take a quick break to hear from a couple of other shows on the Max Fun Network. When we get back, we are going to talk ingenuity and aesthetics for moon jellyfish. So stay with us. Congratulations, you've won a ticket to attend an exclusive opportunity in a relaxing environment with two lovers. <laughs> wow. Well, this sounds like a sort of proposition of sorts, but really it's an ad for our podcast. <laughs> Wonderful. It's a show we do here on Maximum Fun where we talk about things that we like and things that we're into. I'm Rachel McElroy, and you just heard Griffin McElroy, and we are excited for you to join us as we talk about movies and music and books. Things like sneezing or the idea of rain. <laughs> <laughs> can you get news or information you can use? Absolutely so. you cannot, because we're here to talk to you about pumpernickel bread. You can find new episodes on Wednesdays. So catch, catch the wave! Carrie, is it? Oh, yes. Hi, I'm Carrie. I am Psychic Ross, and I will be reading you this evening. Oh, interesting. Well, okay. I co-host a podcast. It's called Ono, Ross, and Carrie. Yes, Those I'm are... sensing that. The oh. spirits are telling me. It is a show about Well, it's about poodles. like fringe science and yes, spirituality and correct. claims of the paranormal. And oh, you knew that. You do research online. You... But more importantly, like we do in-person investigations. In-person investigate yeah. as well. Oh, my God. That's amazing. See? Me and my friend. This is so weird. My friend Ross. Same name as you. Weird. He and I just go and try them all out. And actually, we've gone to a number of psychics. And to be honest with you, it's a lot like this. It's called Ono, Ross, and Carrie. They can find it at MaximumFun.org. I could have told you that. 
on the topic of them thinking about stuff and them not doing it, let's talk about ingenuity for the moon jelly. Yeah. Uh, which is the second category we rate animals on and for us is behavior. So things that the animal is doing with their body to solve problems that they may face on a daily basis, get out of trouble, stuff like that. What do you give moon jellies for ingenuity? Okay, hear me out. (laughs) (laughs) I'm listening. (laughs) I just think that jellyfish not having a brain means that they should just get like five out of ten at least for anything that they manage to accomplish, you know? Baseline. Yeah, baseline. Like if they can do anything at all. It should be at least five because they're working with so much less than what other things have. They're playing on legendary expert mode. Exactly. With a graphing calculator as their controller. Yeah, exactly. They're playing Doom (laughs) on a graphing calculator. Um, (laughs) It's so hard also to like define with jellyfish what is a behavior and what is just a physiological, like what is just a mm. reaction to the world? Oh, sure. Like a mechanical sort of thing. Yeah, because behaviors sometimes can just be like, oh, this thing happens, and then you do this in response. And it's like, well, did you think about that? Or was it just your body reacting kind of thing? Like a reflex, like an involuntary thing. Yeah. And I I just think jellyfish, they do have some behaviors that I would call behavior still. Okay. like. If they encounter anything, (laughs) like your hand or, you know, a predator, they have a reaction where they will swim away from it or swim specifically up. That's a behavior is that they will swim up away from predators. I guess that would imply that they can tell which way is up. Yeah. So they can tell which way is up. They can tell direction, uh, like vertical direction from gravity. So they have gravity sensors. They can actually tell light from dark. They have little, they're not really eyes, they have little sensory centers, I guess, where they can, yeah, sense gravity up and down. Um, They can probably sense depth. And in some cases, it's thought that they can pick a direction and go in it like southeast. Oh, yeah, like based on light, probably or something like that. All of this is sort of like more study needs to be done, but oh yeah, they can they can sense some stuff. The interesting thing about if they interact with a predator, they swim up. If they interact with another moon jellyfish, they won't. Oh, yeah, a little bit of recognition there. So a little bit of recognition. <laughs> I need to know if they'll pass the mirror test. Absolutely not. <laughs> Listen, I love jellyfish. <laughs> they won't do that. <laughs> you don't think they have a, a sense of self? I also don't know how you'd like register that, like. Because it's always like, oh, you put a dot on the jellyfish and then it will wipe it away. <laughs> How would a jellyfish do that? It just like runs into the wall. <laughs> yeah. But it, it is interesting, though, at least that they can tell what they're bumping into. Yeah. Considering that they don't have proper like eyes. Yeah. And it's probably like a chemo sensory, like whatever chemicals are being released by the conspecific like another jellyfish or another moon jellyfish specifically (laughs) as opposed to a jellyfish that would try and eat them i think what will make me give them maybe higher than a five is that of all the animals in the ocean jellyfish won't eat microplastics like just will spit them back out they just will spit them out (gasps) it doesn't even make it into their mouths really yeah how do they know right there are probably some other animals that don't eat them either I mean, I guess I imagine that they are doing a lot of sucking up everything that's around them, right? So I would imagine they would probably also already have 
some mechanism built in to filter out like organic versus inorganic stuff, right? So yeah. they're not just like slurping up a bunch of pebbles off the ground or something. <laughs> exactly. Maybe they like already have something built in that's like a little system in place to check like, oh, can I eat this? If yes, let it through. If no, spit it out. Yeah. So I guess it's not a far leap for them to be able to also check be like, oh, no, I cannot eat this. Spit it out. Yeah, it's it's thought that there's like a, they're looking for a protein marker. So if something is a protein, they'll eat it. And if it's not, they'll kind of spit it out. That is pretty sophisticated. Yeah, right? So Very interesting. Doing a great job there. Yeah. <laughs> so as we're recording this, we haven't recorded it yet, but we're going to. It's this week's episode. Um, I'm going to be talking about uh, giant isopods. <gasps> And they for sure, they've been found with bellies full of plastics. Yeah. So they've got that up on the isopods for sure. Right. And isopods have eyes. Jellyfish don't even have eyes. There you go. I guess that's what you mean by like they're playing on a super expert mode. Yeah. It is impressive. <laughs> Who's laughing now? Whales. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Who's got a belly full of microplastics? Not me. Not me. <laughs> Couldn't be me. <laughs> Couldn't be me. Well, so since you mentioned that they don't have that same repulsion towards others of their species, that makes me wonder, are they like cool with each other? Is there any sort of interaction between them socially, I guess? Uh, yeah. So they do form blooms. So jellyfish blooms occur kind of like through most species. And so... Mm. Usually you'll see like just a huge group of jellyfish all in one area of the ocean. Moon jellies will form those aggregations. So actually there's like like a moon jellyfish will swim horizontally until it encounters another moon jellyfish and then it will swim vertically. So that's how they sort of form these aggregations. And um, when they're in the aggregations, they will sort of like spread out. So they won't really be like right in each other's face, except when you're in that large of a group, sometimes you will. <laughs> Yeah, it's gonna get dense. Yeah, but they they don't like injure each other with the stinging cells or anything. They can just sort of hang out as a big group. It's a peaceful neighborhood. Yeah, love it. Except to everything else in the area. <laughs> <laughs> also, Moon Jelly Bloom would be like the best girl pop band name. Oh man. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, if there's anyone listening, like, hmm, I'm really thinking of starting like a hyper-feminine <laughs> pop band, there's your name, Moon Jelly Bloom. <laughs> yeah, there you go. A lot of pastel aesthetics. Yes, I'm perfect. thinking very saturated pinks mm -hmm. and... Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely there. Yeah. Whoever wants it can have it for free. That's a gift. Yeah, from us. From us. <laughs> <laughs> That's the sort of uh, premium content you're treated to on our podcast. <laughs> yeah. Complimentary <laughs> band names. There's actually a secret hidden complimentary band name in every episode. Yeah. And if you find them all, you will win the battle of the bands. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you had mentioned something about like their reproduction. How do moon jellies make more moon jellies? <laughs> Honestly, this probably should have gone in the effectiveness category. Moon jellies are so good at making more moon jellyfish they would have to be right the, yeah it's like wild so moon jellies are part of like a, a quote-unquote true jellyfish group Ooh, um <laughs> <true> jellyfish <laughs> it doesn't really mean anything other than true jellyfish are just like within the same like clade like the same group evolutionarily speaking mm -hmm. and then you get like like jellyfish itself as a word it like it applies to a bunch of unrelated animals it never but, does you know we don't need to get into that true bug true whatever exactly Who cares? 
But typically, a true jellyfish will have sort of all the same life cycle. And when we say jellyfish, we're referring to the adult phase of that life cycle, the medusa stage. So anything that looks like a jellyfish probably is a medusa stage, sort of, mostly. The way it works is that there are male and female moon jellies. Oh. They're broadcast spawners, so that means they don't necessarily have to get super close in proximity with each other. They will just, the females will release eggs, the males will release sperm, and then it will meet up and form, like, essentially just a super teeny tiny jelly bean. Oh. Yeah. Called the planula. Do people Mm -hmm. who work with jellyfish Uh call the babies jelly beans? Tell me, please, yes. Uh, I, many people have referred to them as that in shape. (laughs) So I don't know that we call them jelly beans, but. You know how like every once in a while there would be like a viral tweet or a BuzzFeed article or something that's like, did you know a baby whatever is called a whatever? And it's like something somebody just made up one time and nobody actually calls them that. But then because that thing goes viral, then people actually start calling them that. Yeah, exactly. This is my moment for that. (laughs) You're like, this episode, it's going to go viral. Yeah. So a really cute thing about moon jellies is that the females will like brood the planula sometimes or the jelly beans sorry the jelly beans (laughs) and so like on if you're looking really closely at a moon jelly and on the oral arms those feeding frilly arms if you can see like a strip of white on the underside that is probably brooding planula which is really cute that's adorable (laughs) parental care not what i expected to hear (laughs) yeah Good for them. Right? It's so cute. But yeah, so those little planula will then go out on their own and find a nice like rock or something to hang out on. And then they'll actually have like a stationary portion of their life. So they essentially settle like a little sea anemone with their tentacles up and will kind of just hang out like that however long they feel like it. From that stage, there's usually like an external trigger that will cause them to metamorphose, kind of like a butterfly, um, where they become... It's a jellyfly. A jellyfly, yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, and they turn into the next stage, which is a little ephyra, which looks like a little star. And then eventually that ephyra will turn into the medusa stage, the jellyfish. What a lovely life. <laughs> right? Ephyra are just like the most beautiful things I've ever seen. They're so teeny and they're so pretty. I'm Googling it. Yeah. Oh. That is pretty. Yeah. Looks like a little flower. Yeah. And they're so teeny and they just like bounce around in the water. They're so cute. Oh, that's adorable. Yeah. But the thing is, is that that is sort of like the life cycle. But any single one of those stages can clone itself. So like the polyp stage can turn into more polyps or it can produce a planula, which will then turn into more polyps. The polyp producing ephyra will usually produce like six to ten ephyra, and then the ephyra can turn back into a polyp, or it can, you know, like every step. There's just a lot of every which way. It's starting to come together why you said that like when jellyfish bloom in an area, it can be like just decimation of the food (laughs) sources. That's starting to come together now. Yeah, there was, I was feeding some of our dead moon jellies to at the aquarium when they died we would sometimes feed them to 
other animals that normally would eat jellyfish. Circle of life? Circle of life, right? Because it's really good for those animals to get like their natural food source. So there was a period of time where I was feeding dead moon jellies to sea turtles. And from those, probably in total, I had fed maybe 16 over the course of like a couple weeks. That entire sea turtle tank is now infested with moon jelly polyps. Like, it is horrible. (laughs) You give them an inch. I gave them one inch. (laughs) And they took, like, the million and a half gallon tank. (laughs) I am still blamed for it. And I don't even work there anymore. Um, (laughs) Well, that's a them problem now. uh, Yeah. That's why I had to leave. No. (laughs) I do not feel like dealing with this, actually. Goodbye. Actually, I'm out. (laughs) Actually, I won't be dealing with this. Yeah. Good luck, everyone. But so another reproduction thing for jellyfish is that moon jellies actually can do the immortal jellyfish thing. Love this. Yeah. I love it. So the immortal jellyfish is known for its ability to sort of revert to a baby stage. And moon jellies quite recently have been shown to be able to do the same thing. So it's like a times are getting tough. I think I will actually return to egg. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> actually not enjoying being a Medusa. I'm going to go back to polyp. <laughs> I wish I could do that. Yeah. You would just be like, you know what? Actually, I actually, think things were pretty good when I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> I liked it better. I'm just going to wind that clock yeah, back. I liked it better when I lived on a rock on the seafloor <laughs> and not up where the turtles are. <laughs> It's like reloading your save, yeah. like way back in level one. Yeah. You're like, oh, you know what? I think I'm going to try out a different build this time. Yeah. I think I'm going like, to start over. Man, I said something embarrassing in grade seven. I think I'm going to just start again <laughs> from scratch. You just have another pass yeah. at this. <laughs> I'll know not to say it this time. <laughs> Certainly this time I'll be better. Yeah. I'm going to have a perfect run. Any percent. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> yeah, but uh, it is. it is pretty cool. I think that is yeah I mean does that imply that like the moon jellies could just not die of old age yeah it's it's a weird thing to think about because technically they are dying but the Mm. clone starts over kind of thing Mm. you know but again what does that even mean to a jellyfish (laughs) you know (laughs) I feel like every cloning sci-fi movie deals with this sort of like which one is the true one Yeah, if all the memories... Oh, if one died, yeah. (laughs) Ask it something only the moon jelly would know. (laughs) It doesn't know anything. (laughs) Is it appropriate to make a jellyfish of Theseus uh, (laughs) reference at this point? Yeah, probably. (laughs) If not now, then when? (laughs) So since we were talking about how adorable the little Ephira are when you get the little baby jellyfish, and also, like, we're always seeing jellyfish in tanks and aquariums and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Like, they add so much, like, ambiance. It's like having a living lava lamp. Yeah. Let's talk about aesthetics for moon jellies. Yeah. Which is our final rating we give to animals, just how nice this animal is to look at. What do you give moon jellies for aesthetics? Like, 20 out of 10. They're so amazing. 100%. They're gorgeous. They're so gorgeous, and I feel like there are so few animals that just have, like, an entire PR team that has spent decades finding the perfect lighting to make them look good. Any lighting. Yeah, any lighting. (laughs) But the angles, you know, aquariums have been working on this for so long. Really? Has there been any sort of definitive answers? I do believe the answer is sort of like any lighting, but 
you don't get a great view. It depends on what your background color is, right? Mm. For jellyfish, they've invented that infinite blue background. Monterey Bay Aquarium, again. Yes. Pioneer. Absolutely. Yeah. You don't get, like, if you put a green light, doesn't work well against the blue background. Like, you really have oh. to contrast the jellyfish against the background. But, I mean, they look great all the My time. My personal favorite is purple. Purple's really good. I've seen them on exhibits that had purple lighting, and that yeah. was... Yeah. That was A plus for me. That's really good. I like that, like, we had a black backdrop, and then sort of like a pastel pink to purple to blue. Oh, sure. That was a really good one. You get that sort of, like, ethereal... Yeah. Wispiness of them in there. They look like a, just like a ghost drifting through the water. Exactly. Even just like your classic moon jelly in an open blue ocean. Just, is there anything better than that, really? Irresistible. Yeah. You played Animal Crossing New Horizons. Yeah. They have the moon jellies in the museum there that are in like a tank under the floor. Uh-huh. So you like walk over them. That seems not ideal for the jellyfish, but... <laughs> It's a cool idea. It's a cool idea. The floor tank that was at my, the aquarium I worked at was my arch nemesis. Really? I do not like floor tanks. Is it just because they're like difficult to work with or what? They're really hard to work with. Like to get into it, you have to like dive. You have to cave dive essentially <laughs> to get into a jellyfish tank that's underground. And you didn't have spelunking on no. your uh, resume? <laughs> It's like the tank we had was like four feet tall. So you're like actually just in a dark cave until you get to the jellyfish. And then the tank, you can't seal it properly at the top and bottom to the concrete. So the jellies always get stuck. Like it's really hard to feed because jellyfish need food like two to three times a day. How are you going to feed a tank that's in the floor? (laughs) It's so hard. So while I was playing Animal Crossing, I see the floor tank and I'm like punching the air. I'm like, this rules. This is amazing. You're seeing this and you're like, absolutely not. I'm seeing it and I'm like, Animal Crossing is a personal attack against me. (laughs) (laughs) But at least in the game, you know, nobody's having to actually do the actual work to maintain this tank. Yeah. Like this is a fictional tank. It's a fictional tank made only of pixels. No one has to touch this tank. (laughs) And the jellyfish do great in it. (laughs) Which makes it fine. Which makes it fine. I have had a a cool experience in the Florida Aquarium, which is in Tampa. Just, I mean, this was this year. This was like a few months ago where they have a touch tank for the moon jellies. And you could walk right up to this tank and they had a keeper there. And you could just pet these moon jellies. And these were the most massive gargantuan moon jellies i've ever seen in my life these things were like a foot across (laughs) these things were huge yeah they get they can get so big in aquariums they get so much food no predators no No. diseases oh my gosh they're living life they're living their best lives yeah (laughs) these things were monstrous yeah i have i have cute pictures of us actually petting the the moon jellies because it was really fun they are really fun we used to measure our jellies in terms of what their size was relative to the nearby pizza parlor. Smart. That we would go to all on weekends. Yeah, so we'd be like, oh, this moon jelly, that's a panago small. <laughs> <laughs> Getting pretty big, might be a medium soon. <laughs> We've got a personal pan jelly fish. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this one's hand-tossed. <laughs> Speaking of hand-tossed jellyfish, <laughs> I did want to share 
<laughs> for our listeners, because I've already shared this with you, but I did want to share with folks who may be curious about my prior to, you know, touching them in an aquarium setting, which was far more ethical than my previous experience with moon jellyfish. Um, I just want to preface this by saying, don't do this. This was, <laughs> I was a kid. I was seven years old. Everybody involved with this situation was seven years old. So we were all really weird and <laughs> didn't understand what was happening. But I have memories that when I was little, I you know spent a lot of time with my dad's family in the Tampa Bay area. And so at one point I was doing this uh, sailing class, like for the summer, I spent a few weeks learning how to sail boats over the summer. And part of it was like doing a swimming test where they had everybody get into the bay, like jump off the dock, basically, and swim around in the water. So me and all the other little kids, bunch of different kids under 10, and we're all just swimming around in the bay off the dock. And there were moon jellies everywhere they were all over the place they were just like you couldn't get in the water without like you know being in in the midst of these moon jellies and they're just floating around (laughs) and this was of course either a year or two after finding nemo had come out Mm -hmm. so having the information in our head that if you don't touch the tentacles they don't sting you and also these don't have visible tentacles at all so we can touch them as much as we want <laughs> logic we yeah we saw these little doodads floating around as just free water balloons we were like there's little guys floating everywhere we could do whatever we want and so you know naturally it started with us just kind of like prodding them a little bit we just kind of poked them as they were floating by And then one of the little kids had the fantastic idea and then spread this idea amongst all of us to take empty water bottles, empty plastic water bottles, squeeze it to squeeze the air out, put the mouth of the water bottle up to one of the jellyfish, release the water bottle to suck all of the water and consequently the jellyfish (laughs) into the water bottle. So you now have a small jellyfish containment unit. Um, which when squeezed will shoot out all of the water with a jellyfish in it as well. (laughs) So we started, we figured out we could do this and began just shooting jellyfish at each other. Like we were like sniping each other from (laughs) all over the place, shoot them in their hair. We were a menace, a complete (laughs) goblin behavior. Like I have no idea what possessed us to think this was fun, but we were fully uh, shooting water bottles full of jellyfish at each other single-handedly controlling the jellyfish population yes in the tampa area (laughs) we were eco warriors really when you think about it um so we were having a blast just shooting jellyfish which i will say no adults intervened at this point (laughs) they were like they're fine (laughs) whatever and if you didn't have a water bottle you just pick them up with your hand and just huck them throw them at each other Um, yeah it was we were treating them like water balloons like they were just sitting there we were like oh it's a thing i can throw at my buddies yeah it's so funny because I usually try and describe when, to like describe how the stinging cells work on jellyfish. I always like liken them to like bee stings because mm. it's like you know the sting has a little bit of venom. It's like a little spine that comes out, and so now I'm it's like yeah, you've got your water balloons full of bees that you're just throwing at people. <laughs> but I think describing it as a water balloon implies that it has this sort of edge to it that would be a little tougher than what it actually is yeah which like they don't it's it's no. soft all the way around there's no like a water balloon takes some give to like yeah. you gotta really squeeze it to get it to like pop moon jelly not the case no. like <laughs> it's just soft all the way around yeah 
to to tweak the water balloon full of bees analogy, I would maybe describe it as one of those, you know how like in the 50s cookbooks, there would be like oh. jello casseroles with yeah. like hot dogs or whatever very- in them. <laughs> stuff suspended in it it's a it's a bee jello casserole yeah you're right that's more accurate (laughs) but the the bees in it are alive and ready to sting you yeah because the bees will sting you even if the casserole is dead Mm -hmm. they're in there ready to go yeah to get the jellyfish analogy across (laughs) yes (laughs) they can sting you if they're dead it's funny because you guys like inadvertently uh stumbled upon the way that people have to pick up jellyfish so not usually with a water bottle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not usually with some random empty water bottle that you pick up off the ground. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes it's some random cup that you pick up off the ground. Uh, you have to use like that sort of water suction force because, again, like you said, you pick up a jellyfish. If you hold it wrong, it will just fall apart in your hands. So you're sort of learning if you think about it. It was a very educational experience. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, because here I am still talking about it all these years later. Yeah, it left a mark, if nothing else. (laughs) It did. And you know what? It did give me a lifelong appreciation for jellyfish. There you go. If you think about it, you were really just helping them clone themselves because all of those jellyfish remnants would have turned into polyps again. (laughs) So you're welcome. Yeah. For firing you at my friend out of a water bottle. (laughs) There you go. This is the problem because a lot of like control methods for cnidarians as a whole which are corals anemones and jellyfish like especially jellyfish they'll sort of chop them up Mm. and then dump them back in the water and it's like well you're killing that jellyfish but Mm. you're making it reproduce yeah like a lot it's like a hydra situation yeah exactly have they tried unleashing a class of (laughs) seven-year-olds in the area and see what kind of damage they can do (laughs) there you go Well, I think moon jellyfish are just such charming and delightful little critters. They're like a charismatic jellyfish, I think. They're like, they're easy to love. They don't have a face to speak of, but I don't think they need one. (laughs) No. You know, they're just, oh, you know what? Actually, my Zoom background is a picture of moon jellies that I took uh, at the Florida Aquarium. There you go. They're so peaceful. If you ever need to like calm down, like if just, if you need something to just help you zone out, I feel like the Monterey Bay Aquarium does have a video that's like hours of just moon jelly footage yeah nothing will put you at just complete ease quicker than a video of jellyfish just scooting around yeah some lo-fi beats to chill and relax to yeah i think that's literally what it is they call it like krill waves radio or something oh yeah Yes. Okay. They have two hours of jellyfish to study, relax, work to lo-fi hip hop, Krill Waves Radio from the Monterey Bay Aquarium. That one is the nettles. So that one is the the sea nettles. But they also have 12 hours of bloody belly comb jellies, ambient music to vibe with. That's a good 12 hours right there. (laughs) That's going to be the best 12 hours of your life. (laughs) I turn that stuff on in the background while I'm working all the time. So highly recommend. Yeah. I agree with your 20 out of 10. This is a beautiful creature. Truly gorgeous. Well, Sophie, before we wrap up for today, I would love if you could let our friends listening know where you can be found, where people can follow you, like on social media and stuff like that. I also understand that you also have a podcast. um, So (laughs) I would love for you to let our friends listening know about your podcast. You read books. Yes, you have a podcast about books. We have a podcast about books. So right now we're reading Aragon. Love that. The premise is we are three biologists, three actually marine biologists, so very specific 
niche. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we're three biologists and we're reading books that were pretty popular when we were teens. And we're sort of looking back on them. Um, we did Twilight first and then now we're doing Aragon. And the best part about it, in my opinion, is that we are desperately trying to make like biological, ecological sense of a vampire or <laughs> or dragons or dragons specifically the twilight vampires the glittering it's really hard <laughs> um yeah i will say uh that podcast is probably teens and up um, gotcha if you're listening some challenging <laughs> information about teen <laughs> books really well, um, yeah it's, it's young adult yeah, fiction, young adult so. fiction. So if you're old enough to read Twilight, you're old enough to listen to the podcast. Sweet. Yeah, so that podcast is called Midlight Crisis. So Midlight is spelled M-I-D-L-I-G-H-T. It's a mix between Midnight Sun and Twilight, which were the first two books we read. <laughs> and it's every other week. Yeah, but otherwise, you can follow me on Twitter. I My username is at biologizing, which is, oh my gosh, B-I-O-L-O-G-I. Z-I-N-G. There you go. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> um, yeah, right now I'm I'm sort of focused. I'm doing my master's thesis right now. So I'm sort of focused on that right now. But I do occasionally do SciComm writing. I have a website, uh, sophiewolven.ca, that has some writing on it. But otherwise, there'll be more in the future for sure. <laughs> awesome. I'll have links to like your socials and your podcast and your website. So anybody listening can scroll down into the description and click through to all those links so you can follow Sophie. I should say, Sophie, also, you're incredibly funny <laughs> and are <laughs> always you. posting wild stuff on social media that's always <laughs> just very, like, in that exact uh, Venn diagram overlap between being, like, geeky, clever, and also, like, hilarious stuff. Wildly silly. <laughs> yes. Always, always the exact perfect vibe. Thank you. <laughs> so, highly recommend anybody... <laughs> Uh, anybody listening, click through and follow Sophie. Thank you so much for your time and your knowledge and hanging out with me today and teaching us all about jellies. It has been a delight. Thank you. I had such a good time. I'm so glad I did too. We will talk to you later. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening, friends. I hope that you've learned a little bit about the joys of jellies. And I also hope that you don't think less of me for my jellyfish flinging past. If you liked what you heard today, it would mean a lot to us if you could leave us a five-star review on your podcatcher, like BC Diver 9863, who said, I absolutely love this podcast. Ellen and Christian bring a wonderful energy to their animal reviews, which reignited a love for animals that had faded after I stopped getting zoo books as a child. Their lighthearted banter mixed with well-researched facts makes for perfect, easy listening. Thank you both for hours of enjoyment. And that is literally the whole reason we make the podcast to help people like you reconnect with a love for nature and animals. So thank you for letting us know that it's working. I really, I can't tell you how much it, we appreciate it. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We even have a Discord server. It's really fun. Everyone in there is super nice and fun to talk to. Links will be links to everything will be in the episode description below. You can also send me an email at ellen at justthezooofus.com if you have a cool animal you'd like to hear about. Thank you to Maximum Fun for having us on the network alongside the other 
amazing shows like the ones you heard promos for here today. There's also a new show on the network called Let's Learn Everything. That's really, really cool. I think you should definitely go check those out. If you like our show, you'll definitely like theirs. You can check them out and learn more about the network over at MaximumFun.org. And while you're there, consider signing up for membership to keep us going along with the rest of the shows on the network. Finally, thank you to Louis Zong for our theme music that just makes me so happy and fills me with joy every time I hear it. Uh, That is all for today. We'll see you next week. Thanks. Bye. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.